I'm curious about what life would have been like in an all-Black community in 1899, the Gilded Age. I know how these stories usually end. I'm talking about the middle. Like, let's say it's the turn of the century and you're Black. You invite your best friend over to hang out with you. Y'all walk in through your front door, kick off your shoes, sit down. And then... What? If you were in D.C., the blackest city in America, maybe you two would have picked up the latest issue of the newspaper, The Colored American, and disappeared into stories about your friends and your family and your community. Hello and welcome to The Secret Adventures of Black People. I'm your host and a fly on the wall, Nicole Hill. My friends Nikki and Casey are going to help me bring this day in 1899 to life for you. But first, I'll set the scene. It's the turn of the century and Washington, D.C. is home to over 50,000 Black residents who came to the nation's capital because it had fewer Jim Crow laws than most places, Good schools like M Street High and Howard University. Those good government jobs and, you know, 50,000 other black people. The Colored American newspaper was one of several periodicals keeping Chocolate City connected and informed. The paper had reporters, but the best news came from the citizens themselves. Nikki and Casey will read you the stories that everyday residents of D.C. felt the rest of the city absolutely needed to know. I've been sick so long. <laughs> so long. <laughs> Lord, we better pray for him. Mr. C.M. Bronham and his wife of 315 F Street, Southwest, or Al Smiles, a, brow, I'm sorry, a bright, bouncing 10-pound girl has come oh. into their life to bless the home. Mr. Branham is a popular railroader. 10 pounds? <laughs> We only hear about the dude, but not the lady who had to birth that big old baby. I know. She's still hurting. She didn't recover. Vigilant Black citizens wrote in with breaking travel news. C.J. Pickett of the government printing office is back from an enjoyable Western trip. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So we just reporting on whoever's like, oh, they went to the grocery store. I saw them. Mr. J. Sams of Capitol Hill is rejoicing over the arrival of his two sisters from Mississippi, from whom he was separated on the outbreak of the Civil War and only ascertained their whereabouts a few months ago. Hmm. Praise the Lord. I love that. Oh, well. Hmm. They were down there in Mississippi uh, eating good, though. <laughs> that backs and... <laughs> Mrs. P.M. Graves, after spending a week in the city visiting her daughter, Mrs. Henry L. Bailey, has returned to her home in Danville, Virginia. My nieces grew up in, in Danville for a while. Oh. Yeah. They know um, the Baileys. <laughs> but the leading news by far is what's been going on down at the new Grand Opera House. Everybody's talking about it. Charles Douglas was the first to report out on the controversy in this issue of the paper. This is his thing. He knows how much black folks, young and old, rich and poor, love going to the opera. It's classic black behavior. 
But the manager, Mr. P.B. Chase, was trying to introduce segregation in an opera house in D.C. where, yes, schools were segregated, but not places where you hang out. That's part of how D.C. got to be so black. You don't segregate the opera houses. And it wasn't just that he wanted white folks and black folks sitting apart. That wasn't enough. He was having the black patrons go around to the back of the theater, climb up a dusty fire escape ladder to get to gallery seats to watch the show from there. And black folks were doing it. This citizen reporter can't believe it. And yet he's mad at Mr. Chase. He wants to do something about him. But right now, his issue is with his people. Where the blame belongs. It's my kind of headline. The movement initiated during last week by manager Chase of the new Grand Opera House to reestablish the color line of antebellum days in our theaters has been fully endorsed by our own Negro population. From Quality Road to Bloodfield, oh, oh, endorsements came for the new movement by hundreds. Yes, thousands flocking to this new grand. Buying their tickets at the main entrance and then being rudely ordered out again into the street, they wended their way for fully two blocks to a dark and dingy side entrance, climbed a fire escape ladder, and got into the gallery. That's right. These Negroes took their medicine with a single gulp and a grin and took their seats wherever ordered. The thing worked so smoothly and profitably to the management that no surprise need be felt if all the other theaters spring the same dose upon them. I went down on Wednesday night and took a stand in front of the main entrance where I could witness for myself the acceptance by hundreds of our people of as gross an indignity and insult as has been put upon us here since 1865, since slavery. All right. <laughs> Some of our leading literary lights jostled each other in their eagerness to climb the iron steps and get into the gallery set apart for them. Oh, how humiliated I felt at the scene. It seemed to me as though a quarter of a century had been wasted on these people. <laughs> The first night they were excusable for going, but when they knew as they did what occurred on that night, there was no excuse for them continuing their attendance night after night on through the week. I can't conceive how a person can sit for two hours and enjoy an entertainment fresh from the presence of a deep insult from the manager to whom you have handed over your money. He receives your patronage and insults you for thanks. You do know the art of black because they were like fresh from the presence of a deep insult. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. It's, it's a very, and I don't say colored as in like a color person. I'm just saying it's a very colorful report uh, on the news. Mm. Full of judgment and uh, that is fine with me. More and more citizen reporters write in with thoughts, updates, and opinions of their own on the new Grand Opera House controversy. Chase should be chased out of town. That is, <laughs> that is manager Chase of the new Grand Opera House. The new Grand Management is operating a flim flam game in violation of the law of the district. <laughs> flim flam. We do not think the Washington people or the Washington courts will stand for a Jim Crow theater any more than they will tolerate a Jim Crow streetcar. Ooh. I feel like that's applicable today. <laughs> oh, that was from last week, yesterday's Washington Post. 
Someone shares a recent development courtesy of white D.C. The fact that the respectable white people of this community do not hate worthy Negroes, oh, not the worthy, was happily demonstrated last week when scores of Caucasians willingly walked up to the box office of the New Grand and purchased orchestra tickets to be used by colored people. The American instinct of fair play is not dead. This is the silver lining to the black man's cloud. Oh, okay. Someone else writes in that, apparently, Manager Chase was attempting to explain himself in some other paper. The so-called explanation of Manager Chase of the New Grand, published in last Sunday's P Street, was the lamest thing ever given to public print. (laughs) I'm not done. Oh. It was a tissue of falsehoods and misrepresentations. A couple people try to change the subject. What about the renowned Black comedians that just came to town? Does anybody want to talk about them? Messrs. Gray and Costley entertained in a splendid manner Williams and Walker, the comedians, after the matinee performance last Saturday. The colored people of the town would have had a great deal more respect for Williams and Walker had they refused to play last week. After learning of the shameful way our best citizens were being treated by the peanut managers of the Grand. The peanut managers. I'm tired of this opera house. Right. Let's just shut it down. Just shut it down. By the end of this day in 1899, the citizens of Black D.C. are decided on what they want to do next and offer some generous business insights to Mr. Chase. Boycott the Grand Opera House. We opine that Manager Chase will conclude that drawing the color line at Washington theaters is an expensive pastime. This just, I, I just love this so much. And I actually wish that papers were like this. Like, like Instagram. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And can I remind you, I don't like Mr. Chase. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, news at six. Uh, <laughs> yes, I hate, I hate the new grant. I don't know what happened to Mr. Chase. A couple decades later, in the 1920s, the new grant had changed hands a lot and opened and closed and opened again. By that time, D.C. had become home to the largest Black professional community in the United States. So if it was the 1920s and you were Black and you and your best friend had decided to go back to your house and y'all walked through the front door and kicked off your shoes, you might put them back on and head down to the Shaw neighborhood 40 blocks of Black-owned businesses. Y'all would have passed Black-owned newspapers and pharmacies and funeral homes and banks and cabarets and even a Black-owned department store. And maybe, instead of going to whatever the new grand was being called in those days, y'all would have bought tickets to see the latest movie at the Black-owned Ford Theater. Or the Black-owned Howard Theater. Or the Black-owned Dabney Theater, and you wouldn't have given a second thought to the way you would have been treated. Your parents and your grandparents had already taken care of that. Thank you for listening to The Secret Adventures of Black People. I'm your host and producer, Nicole Hill. And if you visit thesecretadventuresofblackpeople.com, you can learn more about the show, how to write in, connect on social, donate, other things. Just go visit thesecretadventuresofblackpeople.com. 
Thank you, Alana Nevins, for story editing assistance, and Casey and Nikki for joining me this episode. This is the end of the Ancestor series. Next week, we're back to modern day stories, but I hope you've enjoyed this walk down memory lane. I had so much fun putting these stories together. I want to encourage you to support the Black Adventurers over at You Had Me at Black, where, full disclosure, I'm also a producer. You Had Me at Black passes the mic to everyday people to share their true life stories in their own words. It's a fantastic podcast and... They just launched The Kinship, a digital community designed to nurture Black expression and creativity. Everything you need to know about my friends over there, you can learn by visiting youhadmeatblack.com or the show notes. Okay, that's it. I'll see you again soon for more stories about Black folks holding it down across space and time.